Well, I'll be honest, I'm having the best couple of weeks. For the past seven years, well, eight years now, we have happily lived in our studio here in Haddenham. It's funky, it's cool, it's, well, it's unique, really. It was, after all, designed by a world-famous architect, a certain Peter Aldington, her OBE, who still owns it. And when we moved in, it all felt so fresh, so new, so... Well, we had so much space. But over the last eight years, that has all changed. And it is high time we sorted it out. This is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. (laughs) You have to laugh, don't you? You kind of get really busy and gradually, it doesn't matter what building you're in, you're, you are in, it all just fills up. And that's exactly what happens here. Mostly, I admit it, mostly with my, I'm not going to call it junk. The guys might call it junk. I'm not going to call it junk. But certainly my gear. Much of it is never used. Some of it is used. Some of it's for very particular jobs. You know, the rig that we used to strap onto a car to get moving car pictures is something that I use very rarely. It's worth it, and you have to keep hold of it, um, but probably it needs to find a home somewhere where it's tidy. And so these past couple of weeks, I am having an absolute ball, but probably not in the way you think. We deliberately scheduled January so that it would be fairly quiet. I don't know if you can hear outside. I say it's fairly quiet. You can hear the rain hammering on the outside of the building. I know for those of you in more tropical climes, you get proper storms. In in Britain, we don't really, but this season, we have had so much rain. It's unreal. And right now, it is pouring down the windows, pouring through the guttering. And you can actually hear, if you listen carefully, in the background, you might just uh, be able to hear it. However, here I am, uh, much like Bob the Builder, <laughs> surrounded by tools, wood uh, and engineering drawings. And I'm having an absolute ball. Sarah actually asked me the other day if I was enjoying uh, fixing up the studio. And I'm, I'm just loving it. I am just loving it. Um, I'm, I've used every everything I can think of. Uh, I had a, we had to have a washing machine moved at home. On top of everything else, on top of everything else at home, we've decided this would be a good time to completely rip out and replace a kitchen. Now, of course, it's a stupid time to completely rip out and redo a kitchen because it's not like we can sit out in the garden having a barbecue, is it? No, no, the house is now so completely full of cupboards you can barely move. We have a microwave. Uh, We have a little induction hob, a little standalone induction hob that I bought. Uh, We have a toaster and a kettle. We're doing the washing up in the bath. I kid you, well, obviously not in the bath because that would be, well, royally weird. Uh, But we're using the bath uh, to do the washing up. Uh, So home is pretty crazy. And here it is too. But I'm loving it because it's given me a chance to, for instance, refit the kitchen. Now, the kitchen in our studio was never a kitchen. Slightly coincidentally, although this was never a photographer's building, it was an architect's building, the kitchen, it turns out, was in fact a darkroom. Now, I didn't know this until reasonably recently when um, I was talking to someone who used to work here, and he said, you know, this was not a kitchen. It is actually a darkroom. And when you look at it, it's really obvious because none of it works properly as a kitchen. The sink isn't big enough. It's not in the right place. There's no draining facilities because, of course, it was all designed to have flat trays of bleach and developer and all of those kinds of things. 
And so this week I sat down and actually for the first time, probably in 20 years, uh, created engineering drawings of cupboards that I was going to build. I mean, I trained as an industrial designer many years ago. uh, That was my degree. And although I've probably long since lost the few skills that I had, it is lovely dusting it all off and getting the tools out and working to engineering drawings. Um, And it's just wonderful. And we're having an absolute ball. I mean, firstly, I'm enjoying it because the studio is looking so much tidier. It's just, oh, it feels like a whole new building. Um, But secondly, it really has taken me back uh, to the days when I um, did my industrial design degree. And I really loved being that. Uh, So taking stuff and making things better is part of what you're trained in. And it's just a lovely thing. And there are some similarities, I think, um, with photography. And there certainly is stuff like that in the business. And I love that part of running a photography business, the idea of problem solving uh, as you go and still creating pictures. Although obviously <laughs> photography has a lot less dust uh, than when I'm building uh, cupboards. So here we are. We are two weeks into January and already it does feel wrong to be wishing people Happy New Year. At what point is it not OK to say Happy New Year? And they look at you kind of funny as if it's not recent. Uh, but there's only 2% of the year has gone, but it is 2%. That's a really weird thing, isn't it? 2% already gone. Uh, only another 98% or so to go. So the year is still fairly new uh, and we want people to be happy, don't we? So it just, I'm still saying happy new year to anybody, to everybody anyway. Uh, so January was deliberately, deliberately scheduled to be able to get a load of work done uh, on the studio and at home as well. And for me to catch up on a whole heap of stuff, some the website needs redesigning. I've got a couple of portfolio sites for people to get access uh, that need building. The podcasts need some work on them. Uh, Mastering portrait photography, this lovely project of my myself, Sarah and Sarah Platers, uh, which is growing. It's inexorable. I can't even say it. (laughs) It's constantly growing. It's going to be a year of learning how to pronounce words. So there's a whole load of things to be done. And so we deliberately scheduled January to be that little bit uh, quieter. And of course, I'm doing the SWPP conference uh, starting at the middle of next week. Uh, And that will take me more or less into the end of January. It's a week of uh, intensive, intensive (laughs) socialising, intensive socialising. But as of uh, tomorrow, I've got some kit arriving uh, so that when I'm doing my masterclass, uh, I've already practiced and know exactly what it is. We're going to teach the masterclasses on uh, taming the studio. That's a fairly straightforward one. Just making it easy and trying to take some of the guff. You know the guff when you start out as a photographer? Um, I remember this. This is clear as day for me. I nearly left, actually. I nearly left uh, the organisation that I was. Uh, I joined. I joined the master the Master Photographers Association, the MPA, of which I'm still a member, so I never did leave. But during our induction day... Uh, I don't know who the guy was, and it's probably just as well, stood up and he made, he, he was there to give a presentation on flash photography, uh, studio strobes. And it was the dullest, most technical demonstration of lighting I've ever seen. And I hated it. And I thought, if that's what being a member of an association is going to be, then I'm out of here. Because just like so many of you who listen to this podcast, it was for me, it was all about the emotion and the energy. And it still is. Now, admittedly, over the years, I have become much more technical. I'm a techie geek anyway, but that's not the point. The point is actually about heart and soul, first and foremost. Um, and yes, there are lots of things you learn about details and 
making the best technical that you can. But at the end of the day, if you haven't got a soul, the picture will be soulless no matter how well you've lit it technically. And and so for me, this one man, with this one guy with this presentation really, really, really upset me. I was not happy. And so uh, our masterclass next week at the SWPP convention in London is going to be all about getting away from that and just using a feel, getting a feel for how the studio uh, works. So if you fancy that one, that's on Friday the 24th at two o'clock, I think. If you're around, come and say hello. On that note, if anyone is around at the SWPP convention, please do come and say hello. Uh, whether you're a listener of the podcast, whether you are a member of uh, Mastering Portrait Photography or both, please do come over, have a drink, have a chat to myself and my wife, Sarah, will be there all week. Uh, we're taking the time out. We're taking the opportunity to have the time out. Uh, which would be an awful lot of fun. Can't wait for that. Uh, so January was scheduled that way. Um, and it was all about clearing up the studio. And so everything just needed tidying. It still needs tidying. We're working our way through it. But every time we make a change, it's just amazing. Uh, the, the studio space actually is all right. It's, I'm looking down at it now and it's pretty tidy down there. The only thing that does need doing is it needs a lick of paint. Where else? What other company would constantly have to paint its blooming walls, except maybe a children's play centre. There are handprints everywhere. There are footprints on my walls. How do you get a footprint on a wall? What was someone doing to get a footprint up on the wall? Anyway, that needs tidying or needs painting. Everyone else just needs really good uh, re-engineering. And one thing that you learn about um, buildings is that the you kind of, in advance, you set out how the building's going to work, all right? But you learn quite quickly that you can't really do that because that, in the end, is not how anyone will use it. You have to live with the space for quite a long time and then eventually the usage patterns for the building will emerge and they'll become clear. And so if, here's what I mean. Have you ever looked at a bit of grass or parkland in a city or maybe a bit of grass on a corner of a road where people have to walk across it? Have you ever noticed how the planners, the designers of the space, thought it would be a great idea to have a nice beautiful looking, admittedly, curvy or zigzag path. But when you look at that patch of grass, all you see is a muddy trail <laughs> that goes from one corner to the other where Joe Public has decided, you know what, I'm not following that muddy, that zigzag or that curvy path. It might look beautiful, but I'm going straight across because that's quicker. In spite of me getting muddy shoes, I'm going straight across. And that's how you need to think about designing space, particularly with a studio, and particularly if there's two or three of you working in it. Um, because when we moved in, we had all of these ideas. We were effectively those city planners. And now after eight years of being in the building, you can actually see where we got it right, but you can also see where we've got it wrong. And so it's lovely sorting out shelves and putting storage where it should be and wiring in plugs where they should be uh, so that we can put, for instance, that nobody warns you when you become a photographer about the plethora, plethora of battery charges that you need. I did not see that coming. I started out with, a. I think my camera needed a charger. Uh, I only, only, I had two Nikon cameras, but they both had the same battery. So that was just one charge. I didn't bother with putting two in. Uh, AA batteries, AA batteries, because I had, I still have two flash heads, two strobes, uh, speed lights that use AA batteries. And that was essentially it. Now I've got Sony format batteries everywhere because a lot of the power, so the uh, my LED panel, the screens that we use for monitors, they have batteries. 
we have so many AA requirements, but AA battery requirements, uh, that there's three or four different charges for those. The Nikon cameras, I now have three in circulation and they each use a different cell. And so I have three of those uh, sitting on a shelf just simply because they're all slightly different formats. Uh, now, thankfully, over the years, mobile phone providers have long last decided that at least in terms of how you connect into the wall is just going to be a USB charger. So almost every charger for those is a USB charger. And last year I did refit all the desks, so they've all got USB sockets on them. Uh, so at least we don't need that anymore. But everything just needs power and batteries and chargers and electricity points. And oh, you need, oh, tell you one thing that I'm really excited about. I know this is geeky. Sorry. I've ordered some Ethernet to, or I've got some Ethernet to audio cables so that I can now patch audio anywhere in our building because our building is properly wired. It's got Ethernet everywhere. We don't use it because I only have three of us working in it and Wi-Fi these days is so good that I don't need to, which means I've got patchable audio from one location, which is my desk, into the whole of the building through the network. You've no idea. You've no idea how exciting that makes me. I know that sounds silly, but it's going to be amazing. I'll be able to root audio almost anywhere at the flick of a switch. Anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, yes. So we're sorting out the studio uh, and I'm having a ball. Now, on to uh, the story from this week. Now, we haven't done many shoots, as I said, this week. I've done a couple of portrait shoots, a couple of really lovely family uh, portrait shoots, just beautiful over the weekend. Saturday, I did two back-to-back, -back, one big extended family, seven people, and one smaller family, just the five. But both, oh, just lovely. And in the second one, I got to experiment a little bit because uh, the teenager amongst them uh, was really cool for it. And so uh, between her and her brother, we played around with some lighting. And I've got some really interesting pictures uh, coming down the pike. Uh, but anyway, last week we did, or I did, uh, go up to Newcastle. So I, I work with a client. I've had a client for quite a while. Uh, this one particular group, an engineering group of, con of companies mostly. Um, and I was asked to go up to uh, photograph a small British company who make fuses. Now, in my mind's eye, I had those little fuses that you've got in your strobes or you've got in your back of your kit or in your plugs. And I had no idea, <laughs> to be sure, to be sure uh, that you could buy these things. And they're great slabs of ceramic with copper in the middle and, and all sorts of things. It was brilliant. And this company creates these things in huge sizes, a huge range, and they ship all over the world. So myself and my client, and uh, I'll call my client Claire because... Well, <laughs> that's her name. Hello, Claire. Uh, we drove up on uh, the day before. And we stayed in a hotel in uh, Newcastle. And the hotel, the hotel was an odd mix of the 2020s. So we went to the bar, or I went to the bar, and every everywhere I looked, there was a TV. There were eight, eight, I counted, and I think there might have been a few more TVs in this bar. Uh, and each one of them was being avidly studied by ardent football or soccer fans. There was a, as a Manchester derby on. Uh, so Man United and Man City were facing off and the place was rammed solid of people clustered around their pints of beer, some plates of fish and chips or whatever. And these screens everywhere you looked, I honestly, eight of them in every corner. So there's, there's an odd mix of that bit of the 2020s. And then when you went up to your room, it was a bit more of a mix of the 1970s. And my room was at the end of a very long corridor that honestly, it looked like it could have been in Stephen King's The Shining. It was very funny. 
It was an, they were people were lovely though. But the biggest surprise, uh, apart from the fact that a bottle of beer cost me four quid, four quid <laughs> in Newcastle, I was not expecting uh, a bottle of beer to cost me uh, four quid in Newcastle, but four quid it did cost me which is a little bit of a surprise. Uh, but the other surprise was the remarkable food in the restaurant. This hotel just had a fantastic re- restaurant. So a very pleasant evening we spent having a bit of food uh, in good company, myself and uh, Claire chatting away, because she's also, or was, or is, um, a portrait photographer. And so it's lovely to spend time with her because not only is she a great client to have, but she's really enthusiastic about photography. So uh, it's just nice to talk about, if I'm honest. Uh, and then in the morning, a really good breakfast. Now, what is it? What is it about when I stay in a hotel uh, that makes me just consume breakfast when I'm staying somewhere? I mean, normally every day of the week, I'll just have a bowl of shreddies and a cup of coffee, and I'm done. And then off I go. And of course, that's fairly low calorie. It's not going to do me any harm. But put me in front of a hotel buffet. Buffet when the fried food suddenly takes on the form of a lit candle to a moth. I am that moth. I just have to fly into the candle. Give me bacon. Give me eggs. Anyway, then we're at the factory. And I love gigs like this. Um, commercial, corporate, business portraiture. For whatever reason, I don't know why I like it so much. But I really enjoy it. I think it's because it's a very pure form of portraiture. Um there's very little time. You can't do an awful lot with it. The best you can do is get someone to relax, engage with them and light it well. That's essentially it. And I quite like the, the idea of taking beautiful pictures when those are the constraints. No time, no space, little light. Don't ask me why, I just enjoy it. And my job is to create a little of or capture a little of what makes a company human because at the end of the day, a company is a bunch of people. Normally it is a bunch of people and people buy from people. So my job as a photographer is to try and capture some of that. Um, and I always, always love it. I mean, I spent time when I was training as industrial designer, I spent time in heavy industry and I think I just enjoy being in it. Uh, and this was just wonderful, except for the fact that unknown to us, some people had been made redundant at the end of last year. We didn't know this, neither myself nor client, Claire, my client, knew this. And so, of course, you rock up with a big grin, you've got a camera, you're going to capture people working at their places, and then you suddenly discover that you're looking at a room that might not be quite so straightforward because there are people who've lost their friends, their colleagues, and at least in one case, a sibling had had to be laid off to the general necessity of economics. And, of course, that makes life harder. Now, of course, I always tread pretty carefully. But on this one, I had to be doubly careful. Now, luckily, the contacts we had at the company, the management, uh, were both friendly, stoic, joyous and knowledgeable. And they showed us round, and we very quickly got an idea of who would, could be photographed and who couldn't. So it kind of compressed my angles a little bit. There's some shots that we really wanted to take that in the end I couldn't because we would never have got uh, permission to use those images. So they just, the people understandably, understandably didn't want to be photographed. But when I'm doing this kind of gig, I mean, I'm always working on a fly anywhere. I rarely use lights for this kind of portraiture, by the way, for those of you who uh, are curious. I always have them in the car. I had a full set of stuff just in case. But as a general premise... If people can be employed in the location that you're shooting, probably there's sufficient light, even if the quality is poor. 
So there's always enough. So I t- if I can, I'll work without lights because lights are really distracting. If you go into a, an office where you've got lots of people working and you start firing strobes, whether speed lights or full-blown studio strobes, seriously, it can cause you issues. Uh, so my basic premise is there's enough light to work then there's enough light to shoot. And so I worked my way around the factory with Claire and with the team taking these pictures. Some people didn't want to be photographed. Most people did. And in the end, some of my favourite pictures some of the, my favourite images that we created on the day, much to the obvious, obvious disbelief, I think, of those involved, were taken in the main office's corridor, which is essentially, how can I describe this? Imagine a crime drama set in a police station in the early 1970s. That is what this corridor looked like, except for the fact that at some point in the last year or two, They've retrofitted in some brand new LED light panels that had literally been mounted over the top of the old fluorescent tube fittings. And with some careful positioning of people, you actually got really nice light. I've always been curious about these LED panels because if you buy an LED sort of light panel for uh, photography or for videography, it can be hundreds of pounds. But these these big panels, they can be one metre by about... I can't remember the size. I think it's a metre by 30 centimetres for a big one. And they're about 40 quid because, of course, they're being fitted into offices in their millions. So the economics are such that they can make them much cheaper. Now, admittedly, they're probably not high CRI lighting, but they're pretty good. And I proved it. I took these pictures and these images have a real character to them. They really sort of have the essence of British engineering when it had been of a company of that age because the corridor just disappears into the background. Um, I've sort of positioned my clients so carefully so that the catch lights in the eyes are good and then use the shallowest depth of field I possibly can, f2.8 on my on my normal lens, which has always taken a little bit of a risk, but I had to make sure each image was sharp. Uh, but then, of course, you get this wonderful sort of implied narrative in the background, uh, and it was just lovely, compelling portraits uh, taken just in the corridor, no studio lighting, just with available. I cannot wait to show them to my client. I think they're going to like them. I really hope they're going to like them. If not, I'm back up to Newcastle in a few weeks to go and try that breakfast again. Anyway, uh, it was a lovely shoot and I do love it when that happens. And here's my point. In the end, it is up to you how a shoot goes. You know, we arrived and the setting is, you know, it is what it is. It's, It's industry, it's industrial it has odd lighting in places. Uh, and on top of that, of course, the atmosphere was a little bit subdued thanks to what had gone on before Christmas. But if you turn up and you're open and you're understanding and you gain the trust of the people you're working with, then you can still do your job. And it's your energy and enthusiasm and your skill with a camera that in the end is going to make all the difference. So on that happy note, it's back to my tools. I do have some magnetic switches to install inside some cupboards and I have to go and practice uh, the stuff I'm going to shoot next week for the um, training day. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe. You can subscribe on iTunes, uh, the podcast apps that are in all of the phones these days, uh, Stitcher, we're on Google, Uh, We're on Spotify. Uh, So please do tick that subscribe and then you'll hear each one as it comes out. We are trying to produce them weekly. It's not always easy or indeed possible. 
possible. But that's uh, always been our endeavour. And on that note, actually, if you'd like to leave us a review, we'd be very much appreciative. Uh, you can either rate us or leave reviews. Now, I do have a question in with Apple at the moment, because depending on which way you reach the Apple uh, reviews and ratings, you either see a handful or an awful lot. And we have no idea why. Uh, maybe by the time I record the next podcast, Apple's tech people have got back to me to point out why. But one of the things I've been lamenting ever since I put this on iTunes is I have no way of saying thanks. There's no reply to or respond to the feedback. And so do you know what? It occurred to me, well, what's the easiest thing to do? Well, the easiest thing to do is to simply read one or two out each week and say thanks. There. So this one, I'm going to read this out. And it says, uh, often missed common sense, pearls of wisdom, an occasional reality check. And it's always interesting. Definitely worth a listen for anyone interested in portrait photography and a must if you're in the business of social photography. So to Barry Spence, who wrote that one, thank you very much. Uh, and I will endeavour to do this. Instead of moaning that I can't give people feedback or say thanks on the iTunes uh, feedback system, why don't I just record a quick thank you on the podcast? There you go. Barry Spence, thank you very much. Your words are much appreciated. Uh, so if anyone needs a review, uh, we will pick it up. We will see it. Uh, and if it's nice, we'll respond. Well, no, we'll respond, whatever. <laughs> uh, so that's about the podcast. And of course, remember, we're at the SWPP convention next week. The Masterclass, Friday the 24th of January, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So it's not 2 p.m. as I said earlier, it's 4 p.m. Uh, called Taming the Studio. That's just going to be a lot of fun messing around with lights and backgrounds and just debunking some of the... Um, perceived wisdom that's out there. Uh, on the Saturday Superclass, that's Saturday the 25th of January, 2pm till 6pm. Uh, so that's a four hour session called Chasing Shadows or Chasing the Shadows. Uh, and in that one, we're basically going out there and looking for shadow uh, lights, a little bit of light, but making everything that little bit moodier and hopefully some texture if we can get find some nice spots to work with shadows. Um, now, that one you have to book, so head over to the SWPP convention site uh, and there you can book for that one. Uh, but the masterclass, you don't have to. You can just rock up. So if you're feeling energetic on Friday afternoon, 4 p.m. till 6 p.m., the light will already have gone down. There's nothing else to do. London will be cold and drab. Come into the warmth um, and you can see that particular masterclass. So I hope this podcast is, as uh, Barry said, always useful. Uh, if so, you know, please do subscribe. And until next time, remember, whatever else, be kind to yourselves. Take care.